long before I ever really sang a song of worship, I was singing to Nirvana. Mm -hmm. Long before my heart ever broke, you know, like genuinely during a song of praise, I was literally getting fueled by Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, you know, music was big for me. Words were big for me. And the feeling of it all mattered as well. I loved the artist and the artistry behind it all. And then I met Christ. And I started getting plugged into church. And I heard the music. And oh, the journey that laid before me. <laughs> Let's just say I had some questions. But thankfully, God has answers. Those stories and more on today's episode of the Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader podcast. Okay, I can't prove this, but I feel like every generation looks at the upcoming generation with some sort of irritation. Okay, like every single generation has been annoyed with the music style and, you know, like choices of the generation that's following them. You know what I'm saying? What I find most entertaining about this, just, you know, as we get started here, is that very rarely do we make the connection that the generation that we're annoyed with is basically the generation that we raised ourselves, <laughs> you know? So like, I absolutely love all the talk around millennials, which I'm a millennial power to us, but all this chatter about millennials, but not enough about the people that literally raised the millennial generation. Okay. Boomer just saying, okay, moving right along. Anyways, it always happens. And I feel like it's happening to me now. I'm not the youngest anymore. I'm not wearing the cool clothes of today, and I probably don't know what they are. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the music that's coming out today, right? And I'm like teasing them. Okay, so let's just, let's for fun, let me just give you a few examples, okay? Long t-shirts. <laughs> hilarious. I think those are hilarious. You know, like I'm just talking like, it looks like a regular t-shirt on the top, but then it also like goes down to your knees, tall tees, long tees. Some of them are like, you know, kind of circle shaped at the bottom. Stop that. Stop it. Um, those really high jeans that girls are wearing that like go like up to their chins. No, 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 no. Ooh, I like this. Like the t-shirts that you can buy now with band names on them. But like these bands would probably have broken up if they knew that they you could buy it for your eight-year-old daughter at Target, right? Like Led Zeppelin in the six-year-old aisle at Target. Wow. Um, mumble rap. What happened, guys? Come on. That stuff's not good. I mean, just go back and listen to anybody from the 90s hip-hop and rap scene. Just, yeah. Anyway, see? Now I'm doing it. I'm totally d disconnected from what's quote unquote new. But what about the Christian community? What about the church? Like, how does it flesh out there? Because it's going on here too in the church. It's it, it for sure. Is, we, we, we totally have this generational thing and push and pull. So here, here's my concern. And this is what I wrote about in chapter five 
uh, resurrecting the artist. You know, we, we want people to come in and get saved. Obviously, that's our mission. That's our goal. And it's important and it's awesome. But what do we want these people to do once they come to our church, right? Like these people from maybe the upcoming generation, they get saved and they meet Jesus and we start opening up the scriptures with them. Eventually, they're going to come into our church. What is it that we want them to do once they come there? You know, they've never heard that music before. They've never been in a place like that before. Maybe, you know, like they didn't realize there was a dress code. <laughs> in chapter five, I re- oh man, this is so good. I remember this time. I don't remember how old I was, but I had to be probably like, you know, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. Cause I, it's the first time I started like noticing the music in church. So this had to be, I don't know, 1999, 2000, 2001. Okay. So I'm in church one morning and like, I notice the music. I'm not necessarily a huge fan, but I never really, I don't know, cared. You know, I really started really getting into my relationship with Christ at 17. So at this time I'm just kind of going to church. So maybe you've been there and they're clapping. Maybe I'm clapping anyway. But this morning, like I noticed that all the frontline vocals were just crazy smiling. Like there was no way they could have ever been as happy as their smiles were showing. It was like somebody who said to them prior to going on stage, if you don't smile, we are going to chop up your finger when you come back. I mean, like their smiles were like borderline crazy, (laughs) crazy, crazy person. And it was never going away, right? Like the smile. And I'm just like noticing it for the first time. And then I made eye contact. Has this ever happened to you in church? I made eye contact with one of the worship leaders. And then it's like, we were stuck. I, <laughs> I couldn't look away. And they were, you know, ah! And it was just, it was just odd. It was one of those moments that totally freaked me out. I'll never forget it. And it was also around that season, like I said, like I turned 17, that I began to use some of my my artistic abilities inside the church for the first time. So I was involved with, I was on like a path with journalism. So I was interning with Fox 40 in Sacramento. I was writing for a couple papers. Uh, I was on the editorial team at my school paper. I was in this thing called broadcasting at our school. And we kind of produced a, a whole like school campus TV show, which got me into more trouble than anything else. But that was kind of my passions, video, graphics, writing. And so that's what I was doing. And when I gave my life to Christ, I had these two amazing youth pastors. I was a senior, Kyle Marcia Bethke, and they like dedicated themselves to grafting their students in and helping them use their gifts. And some of those gifts, like they didn't even know they had yet. So for instance, I came into the church doing graphics and video, and that's what I kind of came in doing. And it was awesome. And then, but at that time, like, if you know me, I'm a worship leader now, but I, I wasn't really, I loved music, grew up listening to music, all types of music, like I kind of said earlier, but I had never been a part of a band or anything like that. So I started learning acoustic and guitar and started singing and started playing the band. And, and it was all because of my youth pastors. So love you guys, Commercia, you know that. And I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you guys and for that time. But, but over time, the music that we were playing, it wasn't necessarily my favorite. Okay, so, and I remember like 
we were tr- we were we were just discovering worship and there were some bands that were coming out and doing some things in worship that were like new but they weren't really going on on a Sunday morning yet and i as i grew my faith i needed to express that in some way and so i'm not going to get into this cuz i talk about it in the chapters you just get the book but i started basically like a christian rock band like duh that's what i need to do and it was awesome but i'm not going to talk about it read the book Because my question for us this morning, this morning, it could be morning. (laughs) Uh, It's not even morning right now that I'm recording this. Weird church. Anyway, my question for us to consider is this. Is the church a place that's attractive to the artist? To the person who has that artistic bent? You know, the person is a, an artist is a person who is highly in tune with their imagination probably dissatisfied with a lot of things and constantly trying to create something of significance. Like I noticed that many of the artists that I am friends with today, they're kind of always on the search for something in their field and outside of that, like the song, the book, the painting, the words, and, and just for beauty, you know? And artists are always in motion. They don't usually find a landing spot. And if they do, they won't be there long. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you ever wonder why actors and actresses, they start, they also want to become like recording artists. It's, you, you would think like, hey, you're awesome at acting. Stop. Nope. They go and they become musicians. And then, you know, what's awesome. They're probably really good. And we're all like, wow, couldn't you have just been satisfied? But that's what it comes from. They're kind of always in motion. Like Da Vinci, for instance, Leonardo Da Vinci, one of the greatest painters who ever lived. And yet on multiple accounts with much irritation, when he's trying to, when people are courting him to come and paint, he's like, I'm not a painter and I don't like doing it. This dude did the Mona Lisa. Like I went to the Louvre in Paris, saw the Mona Lisa, pretty cool. But he's like, I'm not a painter. And then if you pick up his journals, like his codex is what they call them, they're filled with tons of other things like war machines and all these like military devices, uh, all types of architectural things, sculptures, math galore. It's amazing. And for me, after a while, I kind of got into that place. And I started to realize that church had a lot of rules that weren't really being said out loud, but they existed, right? Style of music and types of stuff in in music, influences, secular and sacred, attire, all the stuff. And I get it. Everything has a structure. Church has structure. It needs order, as it should. But I also, you know, I want the church to be a place that's attractive to the artist because we need them. Like if you're an artist and you're listening to this and let's say first, you're not a Christian, man, God made you. He wired you like that because he's the most creative being ever that's ever lived. He made you an artist on purpose, not accident. And if you are a Christian and you're an artist, man, the church needs you. Like I need you. The world needs you. And I, I have a dream in my heart, which was so much about this book, that there would be like a resurrection of the artist, a renaissance of the artist in church. You know, because to me, shouldn't worship be the furnace where the greatest works of art are formed? I mean, we're, this is about the Lord. But look around. Most churches, in my opinion, are trying to be like other churches. 
just get just get on Instagram on a Sunday. And if you never saw like the words and you just saw the photos, I bet you you would you might think that some of those churches were actually the same churches, but they're not. And don't get me wrong, I'm so guilty of this. Okay, I was listening to uh this is really insightful. I was listening to I don't remember the podcast, but it was an interview with Modest Yahoo. If you know who that guy is, he's like a a reggae hip hop, um, really really talented uh, hip hop artist, and he was at the time practicing. He was like a Hasidic Jew. Um, I think I'm not sure he's doing that anymore. But they were asking him about his music and about his faith, and eventually the conversation went to like, you know, well do you like the Christian music scene, you know, and what do you think about that? And they kind of, maybe were talking about how it wasn't really awesome. And, and modest, they asked Modesto why, why he thought that was. And he said something really profound. And I was like, yeah, he's like, they, he said, I think that because in Christian music, they think that because they have the message, they put music on the back burner. Like it doesn't need to be as good. And I was like, oh man, wow, that might be true. Because the message is massive. I mean, it's the message, right? Capital M. But that doesn't mean that it's going to make great art. And I think that might come from a lack of inviting the artist to rise to the surface in our faith communities. Because that really resonated with me. I mean, just take a minute to think about how church was 25 years ago, if you can. 50 years ago. Google it sometime. Look at the clothes. Listen to the music. I mean, I don't know how long ago it was, but not too long ago, like in my grandparents' days, drums were a big no-no, right? I've literally seen churches with two drum sets going at the same time. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but that's just a massive... I mean, it has changed dramatically. Church has changed dramatically. The way we worship has changed dramatically, and it will continue to change. Why? Because the next generation is coming up. New ways of thinking, new ways of connecting, new styles of music, right? I mean, like, we've been live streaming our services. I wouldn't even, if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, hey, what do you think about live streaming? I would have said, what are you talking about? Right? Like, everybody in high school right now has has a device in their hand that connects them to anyone. It could connect them to anyone around the world if they have those types of connections. It can get them any information. They could watch church on their phone. Like when I was in high school, right when I graduated, I got a a phone. And then like, I thought I was the coolest person in the world when I had the Motorola Razor. Come on, dude. The dopest phone that's ever existed. If they would bring out the Motorola Razor right now, I would trade in my iPhone and get that phone so I could hang up on people properly just by snapping that thing shut. You know what I'm talking about if you had that. But everything's different and things are changing. The songs that we call hymns now are going to change into something else. The buildings we meet in now, probably going to change. The style of church is going to change. Music for sure is going to change. Artie is changing. Everything will change. And that is crazy to think about. But it's totally true. So then what? Like, what, you know, what are we getting at? 
I mean, I think a couple things are important to remember. One, and this is an important one, God hasn't changed and has still been able to move in people's lives of every generation, and the gospel has continued to go forward even as new generations get the baton from the other one. I just think that's wonderful. Have we grown? Absolutely. It was less than 100 years ago that we were segregating in the church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us out of that. I mean, we've, we've grown and we're changing, but the Lord is still on the throne. He's still working in us, and we still need to submit ourselves, every generation, past, present, future, to the work of Jesus Christ and to the leading of the Holy Spirit because God is still the same. His goal is the same. His heart's the same. But I do think there's a couple things that we can begin to do to honor how God sends all kinds of people into the church for His glory. But today, you know, I'm just specifically talking about artists. So one thing you can do is this. This is really practical. Just think differently a little bit. Recognize that all those musicians, worship leaders, and many others, the, the, the men and women volunteering in um, kids' ministry with all those art projects, all those coloring things, all those crafts, the people, men and women you find in your tech booth at your church, Obviously, the musicians on stage, the people serving in youth ministry, creating these games and activities, they're all artists. They're not just volunteers. We need to do a better job of, of really honoring and acknowledging gifts. I, I think sometimes what we do is we find out that people have a gift. And then we basically figure out a way to use that gift inside the church before we honor it just in general. Like if they didn't go to church or follow Jesus, what would you call them? You'd call them a singer. You'd call them a songwriter. You'd call, you'd call them a musician, an artist, a painter. But then for some reason, once they come into the church and we plug them into our teams, they just become a volunteer. You know, for instance, like I, I've made this mistake a lot of time. I find out somebody plays guitar or something and I go, well, you should play here with us. You know what? I never seem to ask as quickly. Oh, well, where do you play guitar? Do you have any music? Tell me about your bands that you've been in. Are you in a band now? Is there a way I could come and see you? Um, you know what I mean? Like it's different. It, it changes it. It honors them. It, it kind of, it makes it known that the church isn't just all about artists coming and serving them. We're about um, just exploring and discovering and celebrating all that God's doing in his people. And then obviously we want them to come and be a part of the church, but we also want to, the church needs to go be a part of them. And that, like whatever they're doing, because they are, if they're a Christian, then they're bringing Christ to their artistry outside of the church as well. It should work both ways. So go and tell your worship leader, especially, especially acknowledge and tell them that God, you see them and you know they're an artist and that they're using their artistic gifts to serve the church. Because they could be out there, you know, getting fanfare or whatever, but they've chosen to follow Christ and, and, and they've chosen to come in and be a part of your church. And I, I, I think that's really amazing. I think it would honor them just to know that you, you, you see them as an artist and try it. I bet you they'll be encouraged. Another thing we can do as the church is, is call upon artists to join the ranks specifically. You know, artists are unique. 
They do unique things. Call them out. Ask them to join the front lines. Tell them you need help sharing the gospel to the next generation. Tell them that, you, that there are gifts inside of them that, that need to come out. And that's one of the reasons why maybe the Lord's even brought them to that church. Um, and, and I think that goes a long way to, to just acknowledge the artistic ability and the artist inside of us. It's really special. And then when it comes to the next generation, this is a hard one, and I'm in it. We need to, th- we need to really put ourselves in a position to listen and learn from them. Y- you know, they're, they're the ones who are going to lead this. And me, I'm 33. At the time, I kind of feel like I'm in the, the time now, you know, like I'm not the youngest in the room anymore, and I'm in it. But... I don't want to find myself in a traditional service 30 years from now. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't want that. I want to be grafted in to the whole church. And so this next generation, just like I was when I first came to church, they're coming from worldly influences where there are not a lot of rules. Nothing comes in between them and what they like. But Jesus isn't something we like. He's something we love. And so the, the artists are people who are going to bring color to our expression of worship. It's a really beautiful thing. If you're listening to this and you feel like the gifts inside of you have been frozen, maybe by a church experience, maybe by something that happened, man, I, I just want to tell you, you're going to be fine. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep pouring into your artistic gifts and find a place to plug into your church. They need you to serve there with the right heart. And uh, the church is better for it. Let me read just quickly from page 91 from chapter 5, Resurrecting the Artists. I wrote, I truly believe our churches need a resurrection of the artists, men and women who can push past the norm of church in our current experience. Too many artists have been scared away or even driven out of our churches, but we must not abandon the church. She's too important and it wouldn't help anything. Instead, I want to be bold enough to serve the church with passion while pushing the church to be all that it's meant to be. I'm believing for a new future, a new reformation for the artist. I want to be there when the wave comes and I want to write it. Uh, a, a new generation of songs, a new generation of hymns, a new generation of artists who aren't just interested in their art being consumed by those who know Jesus, but by those who are yet to know. It's already begun. I've heard and read things in the last five years that point to a day of a coming renaissance in the people of Jesus. I really, I really believe that, and I'm so excited. I see young people doing some incredible things, um, and, and I actually see um, older generations really, really rooting them on, and I want to be a part of that as well. You know, let, let's be that generation that ushers in the next. Let's, let's not find ourselves in a traditional service years from now, you know, and let's resurrect the artists in our churches. Wouldn't it be something if God's people began to set the tone for the rest of the world, you know, instead of looking outward and how can we be cool inside here? No, I mean, like, we got everything we need. We got the spirit of God and we have people in the pews. Pews, exactly. In the chairs. Who knows what they'll be in 25 years. Hovercrafts. But they're there and they're ready to step in. And I believe you listening you're the man, you're the woman for the job. You're an artist, you really are. If you don't think so, ask Jesus. He, he's got something to say about who you are. So 
Man, thanks so much for listening. I, I hope that uh, you're enjoying this podcast. I'm enjoying um, making it, and I've heard great response back. Uh, please go over to jordanabian.com and subscribe. I'm putting these and other things up there every Friday, and um, I'd love to see you there. So as we lead and grow together, let's stand shoulder to shoulder on the front lines together. God's up to something. Let's not miss it. I'll see you there.